Thank you, Patrick. Patrick has just a great voice. I feel like very welcomed, very seen. It's amazing. So as Patrick said, my name is Josh Williams. I'm the lead pastor here at the Elm City Vineyard. So excited that you're here, so glad that you're here with us today. There's so many exciting things happening in the season, home groups, the nonviolence campaign. And so wherever you are, whether this is your uh, umpteenth year, you know, you're born and raised in New Haven, you're like, it's just another fall. Um, Or you might be new to the area, you might be here just for a little bit of time. I'm so excited that you're here right now, because I think God is up to some really good things. So um, around two years ago, I was walking in the best park in New Haven. Of course, that's Edgewood. You know that, right? Um, And I had a lot on my mind, and I was worried about a number of things. I was worried about family and job, the state of the world. If you know me, like, these things are just something like, it's on me, it's heavy. And it wasn't one specific thing. If you'd ask me, like, what's the one thing? I don't think I could have named it, and maybe that's part of the problem. It just all felt pretty overwhelming. And I was on... uh, a walk, but it felt like I was carrying some things with me on that walk. So even though I chose a good practice, you know, taking a walk when there's some stress or anxiety, um, this wasn't really a spiritual walk, if I was honest. Um, This is public confession time. This is more like a spiritual, like, march. It was like I was storming, you know? I remember talking to Lainey over here, my spiritual director. She's like, what, what practices are you into lately? Like, what, what's God been doing? And I was like, well, I've been like spiritually marching. And she's like, tell me more. That doesn't, this doesn't come, I need some more explanation about that. And the reality was there was just a lot on my mind. So I wasn't walking slowly. I might not have really been walking like that aware of God. I was like marching through Edgewood. You would have felt like this guy's like storming away. Like, what's going on? And that same day, I was uh, parking myself in the gazebo. So I had stormed all the way from where I live, uh, you know, and then to this gazebo in Edgewood. Some of you guys that know the area know it. I was just, like, seated. And I thought I looked fine. Like, I thought I looked, like, restful, like, peaceful, just, like, taking on the presence of God. But I think, in reality, I maybe look more like this, like, like, what's going on? And so someone came up to me. You know when you're kind of trying to get quiet or you're trying to be slow and you just notice someone like right next to you? You almost like act like they're not there, but like they're right there. Like they're as close, like they're just like this. You're just kind of like trying to be restful. But again, remember, it's more like, and this person just is right there. And they say something to me. They say, you know, just wanted to say, whatever's going on, like whatever's happening in your life, it's going to be okay. Like it's going to be okay. God bless you. That's what they said super close to me. And I don't know how you would react. And again, on a better day, maybe I would have been like, thank you, Jesus, this is amazing. But I was like, wait, what? Like, am I, do I look that bad? Remember, I thought I was in this posture of like, I thought someone would go and say like, tell me the secrets of God, like you've been communing. Like, that's not what happened. They were like, it's gonna be okay. But they saw me, they spoke to me, and I had to move through some like, oh, that was frustration. What was I looking like? A little bit of pride, like, do I look that bad? And then honestly, at the end, I did get there, gratitude. Like gratitude that there was this kind of intervention for me on what was just a really hard walk, a really hard day, and what was a hard season. What if things would be okay? That's what I was left with. What if all will be well? 
And it turns out that was really, really good news for me then. I think it's still good for news for us now. The truth is, in that moment, whether I had a weird face or whether I was peaceful, I wasn't really in a conversation with God, if I'm honest. I just wasn't. If anything, I was spacing out. I was feeling tired. I was one-way ranting. I wasn't asking God anything, and I wasn't listening to any responses from God. Spacing out, feeling tired, one-way ranting. I don't know about you, and I don't want to make any judgments about you, like none. But for me, some days, like, that's my prayer life. Like, that's how it is. Spacing out, getting a little distracted, noticing I'm tired as I'm trying to pray, and then feeling like, this is a pretty one way. Like, I'm just kind of like ranting to God. And to be very honest, I think it takes us being in deep relationships with other people, folks that follow Jesus and folks who don't, to know what I just described I'm not sure if that's that different than folks in our city who aren't following Jesus, who aren't that religious. Because I think everyone looks up to the sky and rants, at least sometimes, right? Everyone just kind of has had enough, is at the end of themselves, and needs something bigger or greater. But oftentimes as we try to do that, even if we're in a scenic spot, we can just nod off a little bit. Like, wait, did I pray or did I sleep? You don't know sometimes. You know, there are times where people say, I want to be still or silent. Like, maybe I felt an invitation. But, like, you didn't really meditate. You just, like, went on your phone. And then you were looking at your phone. And you were like, man, if I wasn't looking at my phone, this would be, like, amazing meditation. I'm, like, locked in. But my phone was right there. So it wasn't that at all. When we're trying to connect to something outside of ourselves, especially when we're in a time of need or crisis, I think sometimes we fall into that state of, like, wanting to go there but maybe just feeling distracted or tired, or at best, maybe one-way ranting to above. That's not what I want my story to be. That's not what I want my prayer life to be. Um, that's not like the best thing I have for others is I, if I was asked the question, hey, how could you connect with God? That's just not it. And I think there's a way out. There's a way out of these ways of maybe non-prayer or prayer that doesn't get us what we want. And I think it's growing in curiosity and intentional practices to engage this God that apparently does send people, even on your worst days, to let you know that you're not alone, that God's good and he cares for you, that all will be well in the end. That's what we're doing in this series, Asking God. We're partnering with our desire, the one that's inside all of us, I think regardless of our religion or our spiritual background, that desire to connect to something greater than ourselves. This series is an exploration of a habit that we want to cultivate at the Elm City Vineyard, asking God questions and trusting that God is alive and God is at work in the world enough to respond to us, respond to us some way, somehow. Maybe it's a still small voice in our heart Maybe it's a sense of presence that God is with us. Maybe it's through someone else that says an encouraging but timely word. Maybe it's through scripture just popping out as if it wasn't written so long ago, but written just for us right now. There are ways that God becomes real to us through the work of his spirit, but oftentimes it starts with us asking God a question, being active and engaged in our lives. Over the next five weeks, we're going to step into a corporate rhythm to ask God questions. And we'll we'll be asking God questions about God. These questions of, oops, 
Who are you and who are you not? Where are you? We'll be asking God questions about us individually. Am I okay? What's the point of my life, of this day? We'll be asking God questions about them, whoever them is. Do I need them? How can I help them? Can they help me? Our whole goal as a community walking together with these questions in our minds and in our hearts is to ask them to God in some sort of rhythm that works for you. Like a rhythm that you'll actually do. Like you know what this is. Some of you are like, yeah, like I already put it on my phone alarm. Like, let's go, I got this. Cool, like that's all, that was fast. Like congratulations, you did things in a very, you're good. Maybe it's gonna be like there's a regular time you already have. You have a commute or you walk. Maybe you like read the Bible or you wanna read the Bible at a certain rhythm. Think about what's a regular time where you can ask some of these questions because this is the only way this is gonna really work for us to all do this together and be intentional about it. So we're gonna actually just start. We have a series of questions. There'll be a question a week for the most part. But we're gonna dive in. Our question for this week is, God, who are you? And maybe for some of us it'll be helpful to ask, who are you not? Let's pray as we begin our time and our series together, because we want to pray that God's uh, presence would be here, that God would be at work stirring up gifts amongst us, gifts to hear from God, to engage God, some faith that God, when we speak to him, God will respond. So let's stir those things up together in prayer. Please join me. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for your power to come to fill this room God, I pray that your activity would be here, that you would be alive and give us a sense of your presence. Lord, thank you that there's gifts you give the church, faith and prophecy, ways that we can connect to you. I just pray, Lord, throughout this room, there'd be people who are engaging you, even right now, even in this moment. Holy Spirit, would you come and have your way in this room, in this place, in this series, in this time and with our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're starting with our first question. Who are you, God? And there's a question here up front. Like, if you have a friend and you want to know who that person is, or maybe your friend's talking about someone, and you're trying to find out who they are without talking to them, that's not a good move, right? Like, you got to talk to people to know really who they are, what they're like. So if you had a friend, let's call him, I don't know, let's say just JC, and you only put your own expectations, you know, about JC without ever engaging him, you're like, I think, I just expect this, and you didn't really engage him, that's not, that's not cool. Come on, JC deserves better than that, right? Or maybe if you talk to people who said they knew JC, but they treated you poorly, and then you made a judgment about JC because of them. I mean, that's, that's understandable, right? But like, that's not great. And okay, let's say you maybe tried to talk to JC once or twice, or at least you thought you did, but then you spent years just like trashing this dude, like based on those two conversations. Again, makes sense, but doesn't feel like quite healthy. I think if that was you, you wouldn't want that same thing to happen, right? I think that's what invites us to actually ask the question, like, who are you? Who are you, God, and who are you not? If we don't ask God the question, 
then it, it makes sense we might be confused by his character, by his intentions, by his desire or not to be with us. And to be honest, maybe the reason why this is really frustrating, because that's a kind of a silly example, maybe it's the reason why it's really frustrating is because JC and JC's friends, they, they talk a big game. They really do, right? It's like, what happens when this person says, like, they're a rescuer? And they've, like, rescued the world. What does that mean when our lives are in chaos? Or when JC says that he's for love, but his followers seem intent on hate? Or if this JC or his fans say, he's everywhere, but you just can't quite find them. What happens then? What happens? And I get it. JC isn't just like a little friend out there. God has a big reputation from reliable sources and from some, let's say, fake news. And people have to make decisions about who God is based on those things every day. Is God going to be relevant to them or distant? But there's a better way than just taking secondhand information. It's actually engaging God yourself. Engaging God with your own faculties, your own mind, your own heart. Dare I say, your own spirit. To actually take it in. There's a better way of doing that. And one way of doing that is reading scripture with curiosity and with agency. Not opening the Bible to learn someone else's story or an old story that's not relevant, but perhaps to open up the Bible thinking it has something to say to you, where you are in your situation. Even if that's a step of faith you have to take, we can read scripture that way, curiously, like as a dialogue, as part of an ongoing relationship. So I hope we'll do that together today. We're going to read from... Uh, a book of the Bible called Matthew. It's a story of Jesus' life. We're going to start in chapter 6, verse 25. Here's what it says. <clears throat> this is the words of Jesus. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Before I talk about what Jesus said, I just want to reflect on like, who this Jesus is. Jesus is God's plan for human getting, uh, humans getting a deeper desire, a deeper understanding for who God is. And, you know, this is from something called Sermon on the Mount. And it's really just like a stump speech. It's something that Jesus did. He spoke. He went around different communities saying these words and more like them. And in some ways, like, Jesus uh, can... Uh, don't get mad at me right, right away. But Jesus is kind of like a politician in that way. Like he's like moving around on a campaign trail, like with a stump speech. 
But I think the difference is he wasn't just speaking about a national vision or dream, even though that's actually part of what he was saying. It's actually a beyond national vision, a vision for this whole world. But he was showing people who God really was, what God was really like. And he did it with his speech, proclamation, but he also did it with his actions, demonstration. Jesus wanted to orient people to a way of viewing God, a way of experiencing God that was far more kind, far more gracious, far more loving and accessible than most had imagined previously. A good God full of love. So this Jesus taught people not to worry. He gave them these pictures of animals, of uh, birds and flowers. And he said, look how they're okay. And not just okay, but they're thriving. They're even flourishing. And these kind of like the, their lifespan can be, can be short, but look at how much they're cared for in their time. If uh, this creator God loves these creatures, this creation, what does that mean for you, human being? And then Jesus dares to personalize all of this in verse 32. He says the pagans, those who are not following God, they run after all these things like food and drink and clothes. And he says, why would you worry like that? Because you have a heavenly father who knows your needs. You, like you have a heavenly father who knows your needs. Then he says, therefore, seek out the world, this kingdom of your father. And who this father is, this good and noble and loving parent. And watch your needs fall into place. Live in the present as each day has enough trouble for you. And your father will handle the rest. It's part of what we hear in this scripture. And so like any scripture, we can ask questions of it. We can say, from this text, who is God? What does it seem like here? God's a heavenly father, a loving parent who knows our needs. And key to me, this is really important to me, he doesn't seem to eliminate everyday trouble like we might imagine like a superhero or like your personal robot would do. Like everyday trouble still in the mix. I don't like that, but it, it seems clear. Like everyday trouble is around. But instead, what we see is not an elimination of it, but an invitation to walk through everyday trouble together. To not worry about the future's trouble, but to walk through the everyday trouble with someone. And Jesus describes God using the metaphor of a parent, like specifically a father. And we see other parts of scripture where, you know, Jesus uses other images, like a motherly image of a hen wanting to, you know, gather his chicks in. But we see different ways that this parental image gives us an answer for who God is to us. And we could think maybe that's enough, but I think we would only need to go around the room and to ask, well, how's, how's our relationship with your parents going? You're like, uh-oh, haven't called my mom in a while, and that's for a reason. Like, situation with my dad, kind of dicey. Like, there's a reason why this metaphor doesn't just like instantly solve things for us, because we've had rough experiences with real relationships, including relationships with parents. I think the same things hap happen sometimes when God uh, defines who he is, but uses a word that can be tricky. Let's look at like, you know, 1 John 4, 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That's great. But how often has a situation of love let us down? Maybe we felt abandoned. Maybe it was confusing. It makes our trust diminish. There are these great reference points. Parents love, love itself. But these reference points often let us down. 
just on their own, kind of without any other thought. Because we often want to rely on these at the most crucial stages and steps of our lives, places of transition, places when we're really needy, we have a lack, maybe we've done something wrong. We need love, we need our parents to come through for us, and there are times where it just hasn't happened. And so we can doubt, we can wonder, should we extend our hand and trust? What's our next step? Sometimes that's why we need to not just ask, who are you, but who are you not? So we can call out the lie. So we can identify what's not true. We can identify who we sometimes think God is and say, that's not at all the case. Or we can start to experiment with that if we're not in a place of trust and say, you know what? I'm going to act for a week like God isn't this. I really think he is, but maybe I'll try something new. And Jesus actually does this himself just a few minutes later in this Sermon on the Mount. This is in Matthew 7, verses 7 through 12, if you want to follow along. It says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will be found. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the, to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give, gifts to, good, give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. We see here this like, kind of like punchy Jesus, right? This is a little, this is a little spicy Jesus. Jesus is like, hey, you know how to give good gifts, right? To your children, you know how to give good gifts to people you love. It's funny, because I don't know, there might be some parents in the room, I'm like, I've definitely intentionally given Zoe something she didn't ask for, just to annoy her. Definitely reading this, feel like a very bad parent. She's like, of course you'd never do that. I'm like, uh-oh. I might really be an evil one that he's talking about, so I gotta do some confession, some repentance. But seriously though, right? Like, there's a sense that Jesus is trying to say, this is who God is. God wouldn't be one to give a stone intentionally. God wouldn't be one to give a snake intentionally. That's not the character of God. That's not part of the universe the way that God has designed it. That's not what's going on. Now again, what's the challenging part of this text? At least for me, as I see it, there's still snakes. Snakes are still around. There's still stones, you know, from earlier. There's still worry. But we know that God isn't giving you those things as a trickster. God's not giving you those things as an enemy. God's not giving you those things, especially when you expect it to be something good. That's not what's happening. The scripture, I think, is trying to make it really clear. God's a loving parent who gives good gifts. The good gifts you already have in your life, those are from God. And God was more than happy to give you those things. A sense of purpose, hopefully, in your life. Maybe good connections to community, to family. Maybe a sense of what's wrong in the world that you want to kind of move against. Maybe simple things like Edgewood Park, other common joys you have in your life. Those are things from God. But we often get tripped up when we wonder, is this bad thing? How, I feel like, why? Why is this here? And we get confused about the character of God. Maybe not knowing what's going on. 
There's something really important that's happening here too because these few verses teach us something, that God cares about access and agency and invitation. They seem very important to Jesus. We can ask, we can seek, we can knock. We do these things. And when we do, we receive, we find, we gain access. What's God doing in that same way? He's responding. He's giving. He's responding and becoming like findable. He's responding and he's opening doors. That's part of what God is doing as this good God, working on our behalf. But he does seem to like us to move towards him. But oftentimes when we don't trust someone, we don't move towards them, right? We actually move further away. There's something about answering this question, who is God, and believing that God is trustworthy or good or caring that's not just the right answer. This isn't a Sunday school lesson. It's not just like correct, like ding, 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 you get a prize. It's not that at all. It actually is a state of your heart, of your being. When you trust someone, you move towards them in warmth. You're willing to approach them even when you're scared. You get closer even when you're confused. It's just a natural thing you do when you love someone. And so this answer to who is God matters so much for our stance, our posture, how God might be finding us, how we might be finding God. When we shirk back and sulk, God remains good. God still remains loving, and God's apparent to us. But I think we have a harder time connecting to God in that posture. It's almost like we're kind of closing ourselves off when God's like a waterfall, just like pouring something out. I often say, like, and this is just for myself, like when I approach God like this and God's pouring something out, I can't catch any of it. I might feel something, but it might even feel weird. Like, why is this like smashing against my fist? When I open it up in a posture of trust or wanting to experience love or goodness, I collect something, I receive something. That posture matters for our experience. The same waters can fall. When they hit a fist, something happens. When they hit an open palm, something else happens. And the same thing is true. When we ask, seek, and knock, things seem to happen as we're demonstrating a posture of an engaged child. God, who are you, we ask. A heavenly father that you can access. God, who are you not? Not a heavenly father that would trick you or give you something bad intentionally or act maliciously towards you. That's simply not who God is. Again, I think there's still big questions here. You could ask, well, if you're good, why don't you take away that worry, that snake, that stone? I don't have answers for that. I just have this sense that God keeps responding to me when I present him with those things and say, come on, God, why? God doesn't answer that bigger question, but he responds to the moment I'm in to give me peace, to give me kindness, to give me love, to even give me a stranger in Edgewood Park that walks towards me and says, hey, everything's going to be okay. Seems like you're going through a lot. It's not the first time that things like that have happened to me. I know from some stories in our community, it's not the first time those have happened to you. As much as we might want God to just be an Alexa or Siri with like rescuing superpowers, it's just not who it seems like God has chosen to be. He's a heavenly father that talks to us about our worries before saying that we only need to worry about today's because he's actually working on things in the background. He's a heavenly father who encourages us to ask for what we want 
and who doesn't give us worries, stones, or snakes himself, even as we wait to see, as Scripture says, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But we have to remember God's not an efficient robot. God's not someone who traps us. God's not a trickster who gives snakes and stones that are just somehow dressed up as something better. I think God's more like that guy in the park that interrupts my sky rant to say, it's going to be okay. All will be well. Bless you. That's often what our everyday rescue looks like. And I'm grateful for it. I've had to like contend with that. I'm like, I want things to like be eliminated. But I've had to say, I think at the end of the day, I would prefer presence and someone to be with on the journey than just like eliminating every bad thing I can identify. It just doesn't seem to have really worked out when I've like just been frustrated for that. So I've shared a lot from God's word, and I wanted to share a few testimonies and stories, and then we're going to move into a time of response right here, right now. Um, the reason why I do this is because I think it's important to hear how people have answered this question, who is God? And that's actually what we can do together as a community. That's part of why we go to home groups, so we can see how people are wrestling with that every week. Who are you, God? And who are you not in real time? Because we can take their stories and be encouraged by them. It's not our story, but we start to learn more about God, more about who we are as his people. So I remember uh, a few years back, I was worshiping God in a classroom. Unfortunately, this wasn't like an, uh, a class. I didn't have that experience. I was probably just bored in the class, so I wasn't worshiping God then. This is like an after-hours experience where like, a bunch of us got into a classroom, and we just started to worship God through music. And I think someone had the crazy idea of saying, well, we're going to worship God in music, but also let's like chalk out names of God. And for some people, these were like, you know, the religious ones are like, oh yeah, like let's go, like putting my Bible knowledge on, like Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, right? Like, and some people were like, ancient of days, but there were, there were also people that didn't know that much about God at all. And I remember one of them just like kind of getting up from a time of worship. And just our, our thought was like, just who's God? Just write it on the wall. And she just wrote a big hug. She was just learning about who God was. Just a college student. Just getting connected for the first time. She's like, that's how God feels to me right now. That's who he is. I remember someone else that I was walking with that was a friend that just had so many big questions in their lives. And these questions, it literally felt like sometimes like they were topple the person over. Like they walked gingerly because it was like, you don't know, I'm carrying my questions. Like it's like heavy for me. Like I'm not joking. Like they were kind of just like stumbling along. And there were questions about, you know, their own purpose, questions about life, questions about biblical scholarship. This person was really smart about ethics, questions about like, could I enjoy God when other people don't? when maybe other people even would be offended by my joy in God. Like, that's like who this guy was. And they were hunting him down all the time. But the good thing is God's bigger than our questions, and God loves our questions. He engages them. And I remember we had this exercise we were doing just as a community of friends. We were um, kind of asking people, who is Jesus to you? And people had post-its, and they kind of put it up on a little poster board. I remember and you know, we were asking other people, but he kind of snuck his own answer in. And I'll always remember what it said. This guy with so many questions it just said, you're the one I want. Who are you, God? You're the one I want. We can start to see that we're like kind of putting a story together of who we can see God as. I remember some specific women in our community who were kind of blessed and encouraged by the same story. They'd often received mistreatment by the world and by others, just different scenarios, some like really hard. Um, people had experienced things like, why, why would I have this happen? 
Things like experiencing a loved one have cancer, experiencing uh, different kinds of oppression. And then they read the story from the Old Testament about a woman named Hagar who has a similar kind of mistreatment, even coming from the people of God. And there's this question of who are you, God? And these women clung to the answer, you're the one who sees me, who sees me in my distress, who sees me in my pain. There's also other people I've even talked to during this pandemic just this really tough time, even sometimes a tough time staying with a community, even a community that might be disappointing them. And who was God for them? Their response was, God, you're a God worth sticking around for. All these different responses, but they're real and they're personal. As we walk with people, I think it encourages us. Like, I won't forget these stories. I haven't forgotten them because it builds up a kind of trust in me. And so now you need to think through your own answer, your own response to this question, who are you, God? Who are you not? Because I think this question, these sets of questions, is one of the most important ones that we can actually answer. We have a lot more questions we're going to walk through in this series. But I want us to take a moment, even right now. I'm going to have a few invitations for us. We're going to have a time of response. I want you just to sit with this question. Maybe let's just do 30 seconds and start to bring this question before God, before Jesus, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. If where you're at spiritually, you're like, I'll just like look up and like kind of pray to sky God. That's okay. I believe God can meet us there. So I want you to think, as you pray and walk through that question, what's your response? It's maybe something God's prompting in you, or maybe it's just how you're seeing God these days. Who are you, God? Take about 30 seconds. Amen. Here's three quick invitations as you move uh, into a kind of a, a time where we're really responding to what God's doing. We've proclaimed some things, but now we've got to ask how are we going to respond. There are three different things to look at or look towards. The first is to look at your oops, to look at your calendar. You know, where can you just look at maybe ten minutes a day where you might ask this question? Maybe it's an hour a week. Whatever way feels good to you. But look at your calendar. Actually, you can like pull out your phone. You can think about it. Like, where do you have time? Where do you have a window? To actually just ask this question. That's it. Just ask the question and respond. Listen. Because we're trying to ask questions and then to wait on God's response. Not just to fill it with our own talking. Second thing to look towards is to look at Scripture. You can maybe use the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6 and 7, 
the story of Jesus in a gospel like Mark, maybe read a section every day, maybe a psalm every day, and ask questions, who are you, God, and who are you not? So actually use scripture as a way to engage God. Maybe that's going to be your way in. You're like, silence, I'm going to get distracted. That's not going to work for me. I'm going to be playing games on my phone, Josh. So let me, give me another one. Well, that's another one. And last one, uh, again, maybe some of our extroverts will like this. Maybe some people will not. But actually look at your neighbor and ask a question to them. Get curious. Uh, neighbor, coworker, classmate, and ask that question, who God is to them and who God is not to them. And if desired, you could share your own response too. But get into a dialogue. Sometimes we find that in conversation, these things come up the most. Jesus had a lot of conversations with people about who God was and what God is like. I'm going to call up the worship team. We have an opportunity as we begin this series to take on that posture of ask, seek, and knock. To take on a posture of engagement, of actually moving towards And that's what I want to pray for today. I want to pray for us to have uh, some spiritual momentum that comes not from our own, like, we're so excited, but actually comes from a place of desire and openness. Um, That's really what we uh, can tell is the Spirit's movement in us. It's not just us doing something to do it, but we're actually waiting to see, is God prompting something? But we can ask for that. So what I want to do now is just invite you, remember that kind of fist and openness I said, just to open up your hand, to take a posture of receiving and to take a posture of being active. If you want, you can use your body in other ways to, um, to do that even more. You could stand, you could do something else. I'll leave that up to you. But at least just open up your hands. Because what I want to do is ask for God to give us this gift of grace in the season to actually have a posture of engagement, a posture of being active, uh, of saying we're going to ask, we're going to seek, we're going to knock, we're going to pursue, or we're going to at least ask for help because we're kind of concerned, uh-oh, I don't think I'm going to do this. And so I just want you right now in this place that you're at to be open to what the Lord might do. Again, you know who you are and where you are. You might know how much this series, I need to ask these questions. Like, this is where I am. Or maybe you're like, I don't know if it's where I am, but I'm open and I want something more. Maybe you know, like, I don't ask questions of God. I don't really ask questions of many people. I kind of just wait to see things happen. You can start engaging with God right now to say, God, I want that to be different, at least for this stretch of time, so I can ask God questions and wait for his response. So I'm going to pray for us corporately. We're going to see uh, what the Lord will do. Holy Spirit, right now, I just pray that you would come with your power. Lord, bring your power here. Bring a spirit, God, of activity and curiosity. If anything has told us, if any experience has kind of uh, made us feel like we're shut down when we engage God, would you break off those experiences so we can know that we can actually truly engage you, that these questions can open us up, that you, Lord, can, uh, yeah, make a way where we need to experience you more. Holy Spirit, would you come here with your power, with your presence, Lord. Yes, God. And if you're feeling uh, a worry, 
or a concern about how you can stay engaged, I just want to pray a gift of grace and generosity of God over you. So Lord, we just take right now those worries that we might experience. We just pray, Lord, would you provide peace and grace and goodness for us? Thank you that you tell us not to worry about uh, what's for tomorrow, but to stay present today. Would you give us a way of doing that over these next few weeks so we can stay engaged with these questions that we can ask you? And God, God, I just pray that you would engage us with your spirit, with your power, so we can receive words and presence from you, God. And have a next step.